for the Stock Car Racing Time Machine podcast. I'm your host, Tim Naiman. Today, you're listening to episode 36, the 1997 running of the UAW GM Quality 500 from the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina. This was the 28th race of the 32-race NASCAR Winston Cup season for 1997. So coming into this race, all eyes had to be on the points race. Jeff Gordon was the points leader. Mark Martin was second in points, trailing Gordon by 135 points. And Dale Jarrett was third in points, 222 points back. But these three drivers had had very different success in the fall races at Charlotte. The fall races at Charlotte for Jeff Gordon had largely been a disaster. He had had a poor finish in the 1995 race, and the 1996 race was even worse. Gordon had mechanical problems, which included overheating and engine issues, and it resulted in a finish outside of the top 30. To make matters worse, his teammate Terry Labonte won the race. Labonte was Gordon's closest pursuer for the 1996 NASCAR Winston Cup Championship. Labonte closed the points gap to just one point. In the next two races, Labonte finished better than Jeff Gordon at both Rockingham and Phoenix. Gordon had a better finish at Atlanta, but it was too little too late, and Terry Labonte had come home with the 1996 NASCAR Winston Cup Championship. The lost momentum at Charlotte had a direct result in Gordon's chances at the championship. Mark Martin and Dale Jarrett both had had good past success at Charlotte. Martin had been the winner of this race in the 1995 season, and Dale Jarrett had won the fall race at Charlotte in 1994, albeit at that time driving the number 18 car for Joe Gibbs Racing. So for Gordon, certainly he was looking to just survive Charlotte. He had to feel pretty good about his chances. He had won the 1997 Coca-Cola 600 on Memorial Day weekend, but this is a very different race during the day, and for whatever reason, the team just seemed to struggle to get a hold of the racetrack. Jared and Martin were both hoping to have big days and cut into that points advantage that Jeff Gordon had. When you looked at other contenders, you had to look at Rusty Wallace. He had come home second to Jeff Gordon in 1997 Coca-Cola 600, and he was looking to bounce back after that disappointment at Martinsville where he'd been black flagged late in the race and it cost him a shot at victory. In this era of NASCAR Winston Cup racing, Charlotte Motor Speedway always held their qualifying on Wednesday under the lights. And they typically would run a support race such as a NASCAR Goodies Dash Series race or an ARCA race. The pole sitter for the 1997 UAW GM Quality 500 was a bit of a surprise. Jeff Bodine captured the pole with an average speed of 184.256 miles an hour. It was his first pole of the 1997 season, but the 36th of his career. His most recent pole was at Dover in the September race in 1994. He had finished fifth in that race. If you look back at career statistics, Jeff Bodine actually was a pretty prolific winner of polls, especially from the 1984 to 1991 season. He had won multiple polls each of those seasons. Qualifying on the outside of the front row was Bobby Labonte. Mark Martin, second in points, qualified third. Jeff Gordon, the points leader, qualified fourth. And Dale Jarrett, third in points, qualified fifth. Good qualifying effort for Dick Trickle in sixth. Ward Burden, last week's pole sitter at Martinsville, qualified seventh, the same position he'd finished at Martinsville. Great qualifying effort for Jeff Purvis. He qualified eighth in the number 12 car. Jimmy Spencer grabbed the ninth fastest qualifying lap. 
Morgan Shepard was 10th quick. Ken Trader was 11th quick. Another surprise qualifying effort was Kevin LePage. He was in the number 91 car for Joe Falk, and he was going to make his NASCAR Winston Cup debut. Derek Cope had the 13th fastest lap. Ted Musgrave was 14th fastest, and Johnny Benson rounded out the top 15. Other notable qualifiers included Dale Earnhardt qualifying 19th, Ricky Rudd qualifying 22nd, Rusty Wallace, quali- Rusty Wallace qualifying 25th, Jeff Burton, 4th in points, qualified 29th quick. Tough day for Bill Elliott in qualifying. He could manage only the 33rd fastest lap. Rick Wilson got the number 27 car in the field by qualifying 34th. Ernie Irvin was the 35th fastest qualifier. Todd Bodine was running a couple races in the number 35 car, which with Tabasco sponsorship, the international sports management team to get a jump start in the 1998 season. He qualified 36th. Gary Bradbury got himself in the field in number 78 car, qualifying 38th. Jeremy Mayfield was forced to take a provisional in 39th. Cal Petty took a provisional in 40th. Ricky Craven took a provisional in 42nd. And Terry Labonte took a past champions provisional and started 43rd. We had drivers 11th, 15th, and 16th in points, all forced to take provisionals. And Terry Labonte chose to take a past champions provisional to allow Ricky Craven into the race. He could have taken a regular provisional because he was sixth in points. Also, a lot of drivers who were running partial schedules or had been struggling had managed to get in the race. Guys like Rick Wilson, Jeff Purvis, and Todd Bodine all found their way into the race despite running limited schedules. In addition, Gary Bradbury and Kevin LePage, the 78 and 91 cars that struggled through much of the season, they both got into the race. So what did this all mean? This meant that there would be a lot of did not qualifies and a lot of those among teams that were trying to run the entire NASCAR Winston Cup season. Rick Mass missed his second race of the season. He had also missed the Daytona 500. Greg Sachs was trying to get Bud Moore's number 15 car into the field, but he did not have enough speed. Mike Skinner, leading the rookie points and already have won multiple polls in the 1997 season, had his first did not qualify. Steve Park was trying to get Darner Incorporated's number 14 car in the field, and he missed the race for the fourth time this season. In his efforts to try to get Darner Incorporated cars in the field, he'd only been successful one time at Watkins Glen. Now, he had run the number 40 car the previous week at Martinsville. Elliot Sadler tried to get Felix Sabatis' team in the field this week, but the 40 car failed to qualify. He was attempting to make his first NASCAR Winston Cup start. Dave Marcus missed yet another race, but the big shocker was Daryl Waltrip failing to qualify. This was the first race that Daryl Waltrip had failed to qualify since 1974 at Talladega. And it had just been a lot of circumstances that kept Daryl Waltrip out of this race. We talked about earlier that three drivers in the top 16 in points required provisionals. In addition to that, Ricky Craven was higher up in the owner point standings because other drivers had run when he had been injured. So for Waltrip, he usually could depend on the past champions provisional. But Terry Labonte decided to take the past champions provisional to allow his teammate Ricky Craven into the race. So this was a big disappointment for Daryl Waltrip. And he put a little bit of a damper on a 1997 season that had generally been a lot better than 1996. He had had some better 
finishes and have been hanging around the top 20 in points. The 1997 UAW GM Quality 500 would be run on Sunday, October 5th, 1997 at the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina. Jeff Bodine in the number 7 QVC Ford Thunderbird was on the pole for the first time since the 1994 season. Alongside was Bobby Labonte in the number 18 Interstate Batteries Pontiac for Joe Gibbs Racing. As the field got the green flag, there was an immediate problem in the back of the field, and the TBS cameras showed Ernie Irvin and Hutch Strickland both spinning. Jeff Bodine and Bobby Labonte were racing hard side-by-side side down the backstretch, but Bobby Labonte decided to back off getting into turn three, and Jeff Bodine was able to win the race back to the caution flag. What had happened in the incident was that some of the cars toward the back of the field didn't really get started. As a result, Hutch Strickland, number eight car, ran into the back of Ernie Irvin. There was really minimal damage to Ernie Irvin's car, and Bobby Hamilton was forced down into the grass as well, and Jeremy Mayfield got damage in the incident. So the first cost of the race was officially out on lap two. The race would restart on lap five, and Bobby Labonte, on the first lap after the restart, dove to the inside of Jeff Bodine and made the pass in turn three. So after Jeff Bodine had led the first four laps of the race, Bobby Labonte had gained the lead on lap five. Two laps later, Mark Martin was able to get around Jeff Bodine and move into the second position. Jeff Gordon was fading a little bit. He had had a poor restart and was back to seventh position after restarting in the fourth position. Several laps later, Dale Jarrett was able to get around Jeff Bodine and move up to third. And early in the race, Bobby Labonte had already built a two-second lead over Mark Martin. After Gordon's poor restart, he began to work his way back up through the field and got back into the top five. Dale Earnhardt was having a strong early run. After starting in the 19th position, he was up to 10th, just 16 laps into the race. When TBS came back from commercial, Jeff Gordon had worked his way up into the third position. With 25 laps complete in the race, Bobby Labonte was the leader, Mark Martin was running second, Jeff Gordon was in third, Jeff Bodine, the pole sitter, was running fourth, and Dale Jarrett was in the fifth position. Terry Labonte was having a strong early run. He had to take the past champion's provisional and start 43rd, and he was already up to the 20th position. One interesting thing was Randy Orton, better known for his making engines at Hendrick Motorsports, was serving as the crew chief for Terry Labonte because there was rumors around what had happened with Gary Dehart. He had possibly been in an argument with the crew. No one knew exactly what had happened, but he had been demoted from crew chief for the number five car. So in the first 30 laps, Terry Labonte was on the charge, working his way into the top 20. Bobby Labonte was absolutely wearing the field out early in the race. He had already built up a six-second lead and was beginning to lap the back of the field. Another driver who was moving up through the field was Jeff Burton. He had started back in the 29th position, and 39 laps into the race, he was up to seven. It was announced on the broadcast that Wally Dollenbach was having problems and was forced to bring his car behind the wall. About 60 laps into the race, green flag pit stops began. Bobby Hamilton spun getting on pit road because he was trying to get into the very first stall near turn four, and he missed it. Jeff Gordon decided to pit on lap 63, and this would be a big moment in the race. Jeff Gordon was caught for being too fast exiting pit road. At this time in NASCAR wins the cup racing, that meant that Jeff Gordon would have to come back down pit road, stop in his pit, and pull away. This would almost certainly put him a lap down. 
Leader Bobby Labonte pitted and had a solid pit stop that took 19.1 seconds to fill the car full of fuel and take four tires. This gave Mark Martin the opportunity to lead lap 67, and Jeff Purvis, who had had an excellent qualifying effort, led the 68th lap of the race. Bobby Labonte reassumed the lead on lap 69, and Mark Martin came to pit road and completed a pit stop in 18.7 seconds. 70 laps into the race, Bobby Labonte had a commanding six-second lead over second-place Mark Martin. Jeff Gordon, after the penalty, was one lap down, running in 24th position. Terry Labonte continued his charge up through the field and worked his way up to the seventh position. After all the leaders pitted, the top five was as followed, 75 laps into the race. Bobby Labonte was the leader, Mark Martin was running second, Dale Jarrett was third, Jeff Byrne was fourth, and Jimmy Spencer, who had won the Bush race on Saturday, beating Mark Martin in a spirited duel, was running in the fifth position. Bobby Labonte had already lapped up to the 13th position. Jeff Gordon was working his way back up to the field. He was still a lap down, but he was now up to 19th. The number 77 car driven by Robert Presley was forced to go to the garage area, and it was reported from Pitt Road that Jeff Bodine was having a possible shock problem. Jeff Gordon continued to pick up spots. He was up to 16th, but he was still a lap down. On the 100th lap of the race, Bobby Labonte was attempting to lap the ninth place runner of Ricky Rudd. TBS went to commercial, and when they returned from commercial, it was reported that the leader, Bobby Labonte, had been involved in a wreck in turn two. This brought out the second caution of the race on lap 104. So when TBS showed the replay, what had initially happened was that Kevin LePage and Jeff Bodine had wrecked, and they had put oil down on the racetrack, likely Kevin LePage. As a result, Bobby Labonte spun in this oil, and Ricky Rudd slammed into the back of Hutch Strickland when he had no control over his car. The crash damage resulted in Jeff Bodine, the pole sitter, having a did not finish and finishing 43rd. Jimmy Spencer also got serious damage in the wreck and finished 42nd. Ricky Rudd would finish 41st. Kevin LePage in his NASCAR Winston Cup debut would finish 40th. Hutch Strickland would be able to make more laps, but eventually would not finish the race and be credited with a 35th place finish. Fortunately for Bobby Labonte, he had very minimal damage on his race car, his crew chief, Jimmy Maycar, reported that they were just slightly concerned about some slight damage to the air dam, but generally they thought the car was in pretty good shape. Bobby Labonte had led 96 of the first 102 laps until the second caution of the race came out. Interestingly enough, during this caution, Jeff Gordon was, um, excuse me, was able to get his lap back as the cars raced back to the caution. As Bobby Labonte spun, a lot of drivers were able to get their laps back. Labonte was now running in the 15th position, the last car on the lead lap. Mark Martin was now the leader of the race. After pit stops, it was Mark Martin in the lead, Dale Jarrett in second, Jeff Burden in third, Dale Earnhardt was up to fourth, Cal Petty was having a great day in fifth, Terry Labonte was sixth, Johnny Benson was seventh, and Jeff Gordon ran eighth. Because of all the damaged race cars and the amount of oil on the racetrack, there were 14 laps of caution, and the race restarted on lap 118. Dale Jarrett wasted little time passing Mark Martin on the outside of turn two to go into the lead. Then Jeff Burton was able to pass Mark Martin on the next lap off of turn two. And Rusty Wallace was able to get around Mark Martin, but Wallace was running in 15th position, one lap down. Jeff Burton was able to then get around Dale Jarrett in turn one and take the lead on lap 126. Ten laps after the restart, Bobby Labonte had worked his way up to 10th position. Cal Petty was now up to fourth, and Jeff Gordon had worked his way into the sixth position. And Dale Jarrett was being getting the close back in 
on Jeff Burton. He was able to pass leader Jeff Burton on the inside of turn four on lap 140. And Mark Martin was able to grab second place from his Rouch's teammate on the front stretch. A few laps later, it was Mark Martin grabbing the lead from Dale Jarrett with a pass on the bottom of the racetrack in turn two on lap 144. Cal Petty was charging up through the field and was beginning to close in on the leaders. The third clash of the race came out on lap 152 due to an incident between Jeff Purvis and John Andretti. Purvis had had an impressive qualifying effort in number 12 car, and he had picked up sponsorship from Coors Light after Felix Sabatis' number 40 car failed to make the field with Elliott Sadler trying to make his Winston Cup debut. For Purvis, the crash damage was too much, and the crew would not be able to repair the car, and he would ultimately be credited with a 39th place finish. John Andretti was able to soldier on to make more laps and would ultimately finish in the 32nd position. This third cost of the race broke a 34-lap green flag run, and it brought all the leaders back to pit road. After yellow flag pit stops, Dale Jarrett was the leader, Dale Earnhardt was in second, Mark Martin was in third, Jeff Gordon was running fourth, Jeff Burton was fifth, Cal Petty was sixth, and Bobby Labonte, after that early race accident, had worked his way back into the seventh position. There were 12 laps of caution, and the race restarted on lap 164. Dale Earnhardt raced in no time, getting the inside of Dale Jarrett off of turn four on the first lap after the restart. He was able to grab the lead in turn one, but Dale Jarrett fought back to the inside of Dale Earnhardt in turn one on the next lap. But Earnhardt hung on on the outside and was able to keep the lead. Ernie Irvin and Rusty Wallace were both working hard trying to get a lap back, but the fourth cost of the race would come out on lap 168. It appeared that Lake Speed had wrecked in turn four, but ultimately he had had an engine problem and his car stopped at the top of the racetrack. He would be credited with a 38th place finish. Ernie Irvin and Rusty Wallace both failed to get a lap back. The race restarted on lap 172 with Dale Earnhardt in the lead, Dale Jarrett running second, points leader Jeff Gordon in third, second in points Mark Martin in fourth, Mark Martin's teammate Jeff Burton in fifth, Cal Petty in sixth, Bobby Labonte seventh, Bobby's brother Terry in eighth, Ted Musgrave running ninth, and Kenny Schrader running in the tenth position. Dale Jarrett and Dale Earnhardt continued the battle for the lead, and Jarrett was actually able to lead three laps between laps 173 and laps 175. The lap cars of Ernie Irvin and Rusty Wallace continued to race side by side just behind the leaders. This allowed Dale Earnhardt to pull a little bit away from Dale Jarrett. Both Gordon and Martin were able to pass Dale Jarrett eventually on the outside and move into the second and third position. Gordon was struggling to put a lap on Rusty Wallace, and Mark Martin was able to pass Jeff Gordon for second. Bobby Labonte got himself back in the top five by passing Cal Petty. When TBS came back from commercial on lap 192, they reported that second place Mark Martin was closing in hard on Dale Earnhardt. Mark Martin was able to get to the inside of Dale Earnhardt on the front stretch, but Earnhardt fought hard back on the outside of turn two. While this was going on, Bobby Labonte was able to grab the fourth position from Dale Jarrett, and then he quickly passed Jeff Gordon for third on the outside of turn two. A few laps later, he was able to get around Dale Earnhardt for second on the inside of turn three. Dale Jarrett was able to pass Jeff Gordon back for the fourth position, and then Dale Jarrett got around Dale Earnhardt to move up to third. Gordon then got around Earnhardt for fourth on the outsides of turns one and two. This was some really great battling among all the top five, and this was really... Charlotte was just such a good racetrack in the late 90s. You had the multiple grooves. You could run high or low in both turns one and two and turns three and four. The cars could race side by side. They were pretty stable. They were slow enough in the corners that they were able to put on a good show. 
So the top 10 around lap 215 was Mark Martin in the lead, Bobby Labonte trailing by about one second, Dale Jarrett in third, Jeff Gordon running fourth, Cal Petty in fifth, Terry Labonte sixth, Dale Nerd seventh, Jeff Burton eighth, Burton's teammate Ted Musgrave in ninth, and Ward Burton in the 10th position. The leaders began to make green flag pit stops, and Mark Martin, who was in first place, pitted on lap 227. This gave Johnny Benson and Steve Grissom the opportunity to both lead two laps, and Bobby Labonte assumed the lead on lap 232. With 250 laps complete in the race, Bobby Labonte was in the lead, Dale Jarrett was second, Mark Martin was third, Jeff Gordon was in fourth, and Dale Earnhardt rounded out the top five. Gordon and Earnhardt were running very close together, and Bobby Labonte had an approximately one-second lead on Dale Jarrett. With 67 laps to go in the race, or 100 miles, there was no change in the top five. Jeff Burton was running sixth, Cal Petty was seventh, Ward Burton was eighth, Bill Elliott was ninth, and Terry Labonte rounded out the top ten. Both Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt were beginning to close in on Mark Martin, who was running in the third position. And Dale Jarrett, who was running second behind Bobby Labonte, was beginning to close in on him and lap traffic. Bobby Labonte was lapped fellow Pontiac driver Johnny Benson, who was running in the 11th position. And Dale Jarrett was able to get a big run and get to the outside of Bobby Labonte in turn two. He pulled even on the backstretch and was able to complete the pass in turn through. Turn three. On lap 277, Dale Jarrett had grabbed the lead after Bobby Labonte had led 45 consecutive laps. Jarrett quickly lapped Terry Labonte in the 10th position. Two laps later, Jeff Gordon was able to get around Mark Martin and move into the third position. The TV announcers reminded us all with 54 laps to go in the race that all the leaders would need one more pit stop. And during a commercial for TBS, both Cal Petty and Jeff Burton pitted. Bill Elliott was also lapped during the commercial, as was Ward Burton. Dale Earnhardt pitted on lap 286, and it was a solid stop for his crew. They put on four tires and added two gans of fuel in 18.5 seconds. Mark Martin pitted on the next lap, and it had a chassis adjustment made to his car. Jeff Gordon pitted as well, but we didn't really get to see this pit stop on TBS, just the tail end, so we don't know how quick the pit stop was. But Alan Beswick reported it might have been a little bit of a longer stop because the rear tire changer fell as he swung around to the left side of the race car. Dale Jarrett and Bobby Labonte pitted on the next lap, but we didn't get any times for their pit stop. And back on the racetrack, Dale Jarrett was able to lap Cal Petty. And Dale Jarrett's lead over Bobby Labonte was 2.25 seconds. On lap 294, let's reset the field for you, assuming that there would be, this was the final pit stop of the race, there would be no more cautions. Dale Jarrett was the leader. Bobby Labonte was second. Dale Earnhardt was third. Jeff Gordon was running fourth. Mark Martin was fifth. Jeff Burton was sixth, and Ken Schrader rounded out the top seven, and those were the only cars in the lead lap. Dale Earnhardt was able to pass Bobby Labonte for the second position on the backstretch after getting a good runoff of turn two. There were six cars in the lead lap as Ken Schrader was lapped, and Mark Martin was just a car length behind Jeff Gordon for fourth. Dale Earnhardt trailed Dale Jarrett by 1.73 seconds as he tried to break that long losing streak. With 25 laps to go, it wasn't shown on TV, but Mark Martin was able to get around Jeff Gordon for the fourth position. Earnhardt was doing everything in his power to try to close on the other Dale, Dale Jarrett, but he made contact with Sterling Marlin on the front stretch, and it looked like it started to slow Earnhardt down. He reported that his car wasn't handling as well. He was on the inside when he slid up into Sterling Marlin right around the start-finish line. He reported to his spotter that he was very frustrated with lap cars. And with 17 laps to go, 
Earnhardt was beginning to fade. He was now over two and a half seconds behind Dale Jarrett. With 10 laps to go, his deficit grew to nearly three seconds behind Jarrett. A few laps later, Bobby Labonte was able to get the outside of Dale Earnhardt going into turn one. The two cars raced hard side by side, but after a few laps, Bobby Labonte was able to clear Dale Earnhardt and move into second position. The problem for Bobby Labonte was, as he battled Dale Earnhardt for that second position, he was now four seconds behind Dale Jarrett, which is four laps to go. Jarrett was maintaining his lead over Bobby Labonte, and he got the white flag. And Jarrett was easily able to cruise around the 1.5-mile Charlotte Motor Speedway and pick up the victory. It was Dale Jarrett's sixth victory of the 1997 NASCAR Winston Cup season, already adding on to a career high. Previously, the most races that Dale Jarrett had won in the season was four races in the 1996 season. And in this season, Dale Jarrett had certainly shown his versatility, picking up four victories at tracks he had not previously won at, Atlanta, Darlington, Bristol, and Richmond. This was his third career victory at Charlotte. He had won the 1994 fall race at Charlotte, ironically driving for Joe Gibbs in the number 18 Interstate Battery Chevrolet. He had won the 1996 Coca-Cola 600 on Memorial Day weekend, and now he had his second fall victory at the Concord North Carolina track, picking up the win in the 1997 UAW GM Quality 500. It was the 14th career victory for Dale Jarrett, and he had led 85 laps en route to the win. Bobby Labonte recorded his best finish of the 1997 season, finishing second and leading 141 laps. He had also finished second at the Brickyard 400 back in August. It was revealed after the race that a cracked cylinder head maybe had robbed Bobby Labonte of some power and cost him a chance at the victory. It was another great day for Dale Earnhardt. He finished third, leading 31 laps, and he now had three consecutive top three finishes. The two previous races, he had finished second at Dover and Martinsville. Mark Martin finished fourth and led 54 laps. Jeff Gordon picked up a top five, although he did not lead. Gordon had to feel pretty good about this finish. The Charlotte race in the fall had not been good to Jeff Gordon, so to get out of Charlotte with a top five, he had to feel pretty relieved. Jeff Burton came home sixth, leading 14 laps, and he was the final car in the lead lap. Bill Elliott continued a good streak of success. He finished seventh, and this gave Bill Elliott three top tens in a row, and he had had five finishes of 11th or better in his last six races. Another good day for Ward Burton. He finished eighth, and he now had back-to-back top 10 finishes, and he had three top 10 finishes in his past five races. Strong day for Cal Petty. He came home ninth with a top giving him two top 10s in the last three races. He had that impressive second-place finish at Dover two weeks ago. Johnny Benson came home 10th. This was the best finish for, for Johnny in his last nine races. He was 7th at the Brickyard 400. Terry Labonte came home 11th. He was the last car who was one lap down. Rusty Wallace was 12th, finishing two laps down. Solid day for Steve Grissom in 13th. He led two laps. Dick Trickle finished 14th, and Ken Schrader rounded out the top 15 finishers. Other notable finishes, finishers included Ted Musgrave, who finished 17th, Ernie Irvin was 18th, Jeremy Mayfield finished 27th, and Ricky Rudd finished in the 41st position. The race statistics were as followed. The race took just over 3 hours and 28 minutes to complete. The average speed of the race was just over 144 miles an hour. There were four caution flags for a total of 33 laps. 
Dale Jarrett's margin of victory over Bobby Labonte was 4.142 seconds, and there were 20 lead changes among nine drivers. With the fall race at Charlotte concluded, there were just four races left in the 1997 NASCAR Winston Cup season. Next week, the series would visit Talladega. Then there would be races at Rockingham, Phoenix, and Atlanta. Jeff Gordon had to feel very good about getting through this Charlotte race without a major problem and scoring a top five finish. This race had been kryptonite to him in the points in both the 1995 and 1996 season. It had been especially damaging in the 1996 season. Gordon came in to Charlotte with over a 100-point lead over Terry Labonte, but Labonte won the race, and when Gordon left Charlotte after he finished outside of the top 30 in 1996 due to engine and overheating problems, he led Terry Labonte by just one point. Labonte went on to have an excellent finish at Rockingham and Phoenix, finishing better than Gordon and going on to win the 1996 NASCAR Winston Cup Championship. Mark Martin had gained 10 points on Jeff Gordon, and Dale Jarrett had gained 35. Martin now trailed Gordon by 125 points. This was still within the one-race swing of 151 points. Dale Jarrett was sitting third in points, 197 points behind Gordon. That meant he was outside of the one-race swing. He had gained 25 points on Mark Martin and now was outside the runner-up spot by just 72 points. Jeff Burton was fourth in points and looking very good to finish in the top five in points. Dale Earnhardt sat fifth in points, and he was over 100 points in front of sixth-place Terry Labonte. Bobby Labonte was seventh in points. He trailed his brother Terry Labonte by 99 points. Bill Elliott sat eighth in points, and he was exactly 100 points behind seventh-place Bobby Labonte. Ted Musgrave was ninth in points, and he was 63 points in front of 11th-place Johnny Benson. Jeremy Mayfield sat 10th in points, but he was just three points in front of 11th place Johnny Benson. He was one of the few drivers who had actually gained a points position in the race at Charlotte. The other nine drivers all kept their same points position. Ricky Rudd sat 12th in points. His poor finish at Charlotte had dropped him two positions in the points, and he was now 13 points out of 10th. Rusty Wallace was 13th in points. He trailed. 10th place, Jeremy Mayfield by 29 points. 14th in points was Ken Trader, and he was just 57 points out of 10th. Ernie Irvin sat 15th in points, and he was just 78 points out of 10th. Cal Petty was 16th in points, but was unlikely to have a chance to get in the top 10 in points. Unbelievably, just 81 points separated seven drivers who sat from 9th to 15th in points. So it was clear in these final four races that there was a lot on the line for these drivers. So the big stories at Charlotte was Dale Jarrett's victory, but both Mark Martin and Jeff Gordon getting finishes in the top five. So there wasn't a major shakeup in the points, but the next race loomed very large. It would be the diehard 500 from Talladega. This race had traditionally been run in late July, but an attempt to get the fans out of the searing heat, Alabama heat, NASCAR and track officials had decided to move this race to October, but this had a lot of drivers on pins and needles. We had never had a restrictor plate race so late in the season. And with Mark Martin within the one race swing of Jeff Gordon, if Gordon had problems or were caught up in the big wreck, it wasn't out of the question that Mark Martin could get the points lead and Dale Jarrett could significantly cut in to Jeff Gordon's points lead. So take a listen next week as we discuss 
the Die Hard 500 for Ta- from Talladega. For the Stock Car Racing Time Machine podcast, I'm your host, Tim Naiman. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.